I am paying attention. Now you may only see a pile of receipts, but I see a story. I can see where this story is going. It does not look good. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Love Golf Podcast. This is your host, Elias Josh. This podcast is sponsored by EliasJoshMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing, so far of 2022, my number one favorite film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. It's directed by the Daniels, brother, uh, the Daniels, not necessarily brothers, but they go by the Daniels, um, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Schnert. Um, they have short films under their belt. They're also music video directors. Their former, uh, their first feature film um, was uh, Swiss Army Man back in 2016 with Paul Dano uh, and Daniel Radcliffe. And uh, Daniel Snert also directed The Death of Dick Long, which was another very interesting, um, I think, A24 produced uh, film as well. So kind of going along their surrealist, absurdist, sometimes comedic type filmography, Everything, everywhere, all at once very much fits in that same mold. The thing is, I think that everything, everywhere, all at once is the antithesis of that. It takes everything that's good about their previous filmography. Um, and they've also directed uh, some television to Children's Hospital, uh, Aquafina. Um, 2020 television show and uh kwan also directed some legion back in 2019 um which was also very trippy and surrealist as well kind of absurdist noah holly show so um with saying all that everything everywhere all at once is a 2022 american absurdist comedy drama film written and directed by dan the the daniels um, who co-produced it with the Russo brothers. The Russo brothers, everyone knows them generally for working in the MCU. Um, and I can kind of feel that uh, that kind of lingering over this film in the best way possible, kind of the remnants of like an MCU-esque type movie. You know, it's it's got this action, imagination, a lot of kind of quick chatter here and there, um, these family ties and emotional bonds that happen throughout the film. It's very uh, fulfilling when it comes to kind of having all spectrums of the, the, of the film told. You know, it's, it, there's fun, there's action, but there's also this real down-to-earth um, realism between the family that I actually like. Um, so it stars uh, Michelle Yeoh as a Chinese-American woman being audited by the IRS, who discovers that she must connect with the parallel universe versions of herself to prevent a powerful being from causing destruction, um, the destruction of the multiverse. Um, Stephanie An Shu is uh, starring in it. Uh, Jonathan Key Kwan, Jenny Slate, Harry Slum Jr., uh, James Hong and Jamie Lee Curtis all appear in supporting roles. So it's got a stellar cast. I think it's one of the best casts that I've seen for uh, uh, the, in, in filmography this year. I'd say up there with like the Northmen, where they had stacked cast of Ethan Hawke and uh, Scars, Alexander Skarsgård and um, um, all the other uh, films that I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, but there's other films like that that just have like stellar 
packed cast in it. Um, who else was in uh, the Northmen? The Northmen. Uh, Nicole Kidman. That was the other one that I was trying to think that was in the Northmen. Um, all phenomenal actors, and you can see that just because uh, they aren't shown the whole time like maybe we're just having um jamie lee curtis in this movie here and there she's in this movie she's not like a support it says supporting role but she's basically in it just as much so the film has been described as a swirl of genre anarchy and features elements of black comedy science fiction fantasy martial arts film and animation i think that the way that this is told this is the best quote unquote multiverse movie that has come out probably since the Spider-Verse um, movie that came out in 2018. Just with the way that it's having the ability to tell the multiverse story, but also on top of that, they're able to um, reel all these stories back in into a satisfying conclusion. Cinematography by uh, Larkin Simple. Same uh, cinematographer for the uh, Swiss Army Man and uh, Cop Car. So it's a running time of two hours and 20 minutes, a budget of 25 million, which absolutely blows my mind. I This movie feels like it should be like a $50 million movie with just the cast alone. The, the stunt works that are having to go into it. The fact that I'm pretty sure that this was uh, created um, during COVID. Um, like a lot of it was shot during COVID. So it's just amazing that they, they were able to get something of uh, this magnitude for this um, project as well. Because it feels, the thing about this movie is it feels so broad scoping, you know, it's so big, but yet we're able to focus on like the most uh, interesting parts and interesting um, actors that are in it. You know, Michelle Yeoh is carrying the majority of the story on her back, but there's so many other elements of this that she gets to play. She gets to kind of play like the opposite version of herself. Like uh, Michelle Yeoh is, um, I think she's a classically trained uh, uh, martial artist and dancer. And so she kind of gets to play both sides of the role. Um, and, you know, just because she is on, uh, you know, kind of middle age uh, in correlation to a lot of leading women that are normally in their 30s or 40s or, or so. Um, she's, I think she's close to like 50. Uh, it's amazing what she's doing in this movie and she absolutely sells it. Um, let me see the top of my head. She's 59 and it's amazing what she's doing in this movie and she's fine as wine. Um, or fine like wine. <laughs> I will get better with age is what I mean. So Quan and Schnurr re uh, researched the concept of the multiverse as far back as 2010 and began pinning the, skin the screenplay as early as 2016. Originally written for Jackie Chan, the lead role was later reworked and offered to Yo. Uh, principal photography began in January 2020 and wrapped up in March as the COVID-19 pandemic reached the United States. Actually, I did hear that this was like a shoot and I think like 39 days. So this this movie was technically shot all before the COVID uh, pandemic had hit the United States um, in the middle of June, uh, March 2020. 20, um, 
which kind of tells me how they were able to do all of this. They they were working on a super tight uh, uh, timeline, so this really encouraged them to get the best of uh, everything they possibly could, maybe multiple times a day. I, I listened to the uh, Directors Guild podcast, and they were talking about how uh, essential all of these different scenes were um, and what they had tried, you know, how all because of the editing of this movie, if you've seen it, you know how crazy and chopped up it can be. Um, so the, the majority of it was all uh, you know, written out. So the storyboards were out. So they knew what they had to get. And then uh, what they said is they tried to dedicate specific days to being those specific characters because they're, because they're basically having to play different characters and different timelines. They tried to uh, navigate these certain scenes to this this day, this these certain scenes to this day, so that they were playing their respective characters different days. Now that didn't always happen, they said, but that's essentially what happened. Um, it sounds like the uh, the cast really liked working together. I heard that they were doing. Um, it, it felt they described it a lot as uh, shooting this film as to going to like summer camp. They said that they would always start off the mornings with doing some sort of yoga or dance or something correlated to kind of get everyone um, energized and ready. Um, but it was pretty interesting. Just check out the Directors Guild uh, podcast if you're interested in uh, more behind the scenes on this, uh, you know, crazy um, movie. And I say crazy in the best way. So the film soundtrack features music composed by Son uh, Lux, who is uh, an American experimental band, um, and uh, including collaborations with musicians Mitski, uh, David Byrne, uh, Andre 3000, and Randy Newman. That's about as random as it can get, but you, you got everybody. Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once premiered at South by Southwest on March 11th, 2022, and began a limited theatrical release in the United States on March 25th, before a wide release by A24 on April 8th. The film received widespread critical acclaim, reviews praised its imagination, direction, used performance, and handling of themes such as existentialism, nihilism, and Asian American identity. And I think that it does an excellent job of showing the, the, the two feet that the parents in this movie are having to really deal with of being uh, part Asian, Asian and then part American and how those um, themes of that identity are shown in this movie feel very realized. It feels like the actual experiences of real people. And it's not just for that Asian American experience. You can kind of correlate that experience with other, um, uh, like the Indian American experience or the, the, the Black American experience or uh, the, the Mexican American experience, kind of like having your foot in two two holes of identities, but you're not exactly 100% this or you're not 100% that. So you're, you're kind of like 
uh, in two separate areas at the same time and you're having to deal with either not being Asian enough or not being uh, uh, American enough or something like that of that nature. And I, I really liked how that was kind of put under a, uh, a microscope, you know, and we really got to see the ins and outs of how that affects uh, individuals. And so it has grossed over $89 million worldwide, which is amazing for something under the A24 banner, uh, surpassing Hereditary in 2018 as A24's highest grossing film of all time. And if you've seen Hereditary, you know that that was a crazy horror film and uh, horror films generally uh, generate a lot of money and they don't cost nearly as much. So that's the whole reason a lot of like the Blumhouses of the world are doing so well. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is amazing that they were able to get all of this uh, produced under $25 million. It blows my mind that, you know, how did they pay for everything? You know, that's my thing. Um, so let's, uh, I think I've said all the good things I can about the, uh, uh, the movie. Like I said, right now in the middle of just, it's June 1st is tomorrow. Um, yeah, I would say that this right now is still my number one movie just from the way that it blew my mind, the way that it was, um, you know, kind of get it, it pulled the heartstrings in the right ways that I really wanted. I think I think I gave it a nine out of ten um, for this um, for this film. So that's one of the highest ratings I've given in a very long time. I haven't had a chance to really go back and rewatch it again, but it still sticks with me to this day. So let's hop into the spoilers, and we're going to discuss part one of the plot and then um, continue through the story of part one, part two, and I guess part three. Yeah. All at once. Um, so yeah. Thank you for watching, listening. Look at our podcast. I hope you found this review useful and um, obtaining some more interesting and uh, relevant filmography and content. Be sure to check out the patreon.com slash look it up podcast. Um, for this review early and in full. If you're watching on YouTube, then you're getting a, a condensed review, or if you're listening on any other platform, it's going to be a condensed review, but be sure to check out pay the Patreon. We have a website, luckitallpodcast.com, where you can uh, get all the links, get all the social medias, and stay up to date with everything Luck It All Podcast. Um, thank you for listening, watching Luck It All Podcast, and here is the plot for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Part one, everything. Evelyn Kwan Wang is a Chinese American woman who runs a struggling laundromat with her husband, Waymond. Tensions are high due to the laundromat being audited by the IRS. Additionally, Waymond is trying to give Evelyn divorce papers. Evelyn's demanding father, Gong Gong, has just arrived from China. And Evelyn's daughter, Joy, has been trying to get her mother to accept her girlfriend, Becky. Everything, ironically, is, you know, what, I, what we're talking about. But um, everything that they are talking about in this first, um, you know, little chunk of part one is uh, it's relatable. You know, the, uh, the relatability for these um, storylines can be cross general uh crossed over between 
other stories of other people from other places is what I'm saying. Um, while, uh, while at the IRS building for a meeting with the IRS inspector, Deidre Bayadri, uh, Wayman's personality changes when his body is briefly taken over by Alpha Wayman, a version of Wayman from a universe he calls the Alpha Sphere, the Alpha Alphaverse. Sorry. Uh, Alpha Wayman explains to Evelyn that many parallel universes exist, since every choice make made creates a new universe. The people of the Alphaverse, led by the late Alpha Evelyn, developed verse jumping technology that allows people to access the skills and memories and body of their parallel universe counterparts by fulfilling specific conditions. The multiverse is being threatened by Jubo Tubaki, formerly Alpha Joy. Her mind was splintered after Alpha Evelyn pushed her to extensively verse jump. And when they're verse jumping, it's they're jumping into another version of themselves in another universe. Um, you know, they're able to like absorb their, let's just say that I'm a podcaster in this universe. Let's just say that if I was verse jumping, then I could verse jump into some way that automatically knew martial arts. And all of a sudden, just like you're in the matrix, you know, you, you know, martial arts, you know? Um, so Jubo Tubaki now experiences all universes at once and can verse jump and manipulate matter at will. With her godlike power, she has created a black hole like, quote unquote, everything bagel that can potentially destroy the multiverse. So by jumping too much into these multiverses, they've created the black hole bagel. Everything bagel. So it's an extremely low concept type of movie that has, you know, if you don't actively understand what's going on, it's easy to get, you know, lost in the sauce, so to speak. So um, let me see. Evelyn is given verse jumping technology to fight Jubo Tabaki's verse jumping minions who begin converging in the IRS building. It is, it's insane. I mean, how, how, you know, the people are all of a sudden just taken over almost like zombie like, but then instead of becoming zombies, they become, you know, ultra fighters because they've been, they verse jumped and, uh, uh, their minds kind of being taken over in a way. It, it's amazing what she's able to do and the powers that are, are happening. It's very, um, it's, it's kind of like the matrix meets star Wars, the using the force kind of thing. Um, but with the wrapping of the MCU's multiverse technology or the multiverse thinking. Um, so, uh, yeah. So let's see. So yeah, Evelyn is given verse jumping technology to fight Jubo Tabaki's verse jumping minions who begin converging in the IRS building. 
Evelyn learns of Wayman's plans to divorce, divorce, divorce her and discovers other lives where she made different choices, flourished and flourished, such as becoming a Kung Fu master and a movie star instead of leaving China with Wayman, who becomes a successful businessman. And it shows um, kind of the alternate lives that these people would have if they had never uh, decided to come to America or, you know, leave their homes um, and end up uh, marrying each other and that, and, you know, going off in the sunset kind of thing. Would they have been happy or not running off in the sunset with each other? Um, and that's a really interesting concept. And, you know, despite the whole multiverse science sci-fi angle of it that's extremely it, it it draws for really strong dramatic um storytelling and some of the lines that come out at the end of this movie um really pulled at the heartstrings and i was like this is amazing it felt like there's lines that they say to each other at the at the third act that feels like this movie was written all the way from it. You know, this, the tapestry was written all the way, all the way from the, you know, I would rather uh, run an, I think, it, you know, the husband Wayman says uh, something like, I'm just going to go ahead and spoil what they say at the third act. And I'm going to say it wrong. Cause I can't remember off the top of my head, but basically he basically says that I would rather be, uh, you know, struggling with you. Um, and running a laundromat than you know anything else in the world and that's the bare basics of you know their love together you know they're struggling together and he um despite the divorce papers coming together i think that that's one of the most uh effective lines that could happen within the movie. So let's, let's continue. So it has a little bit more uh, of an effect. Um, so yeah, they, they basically see the different lives they could have lived. Alpha Wayman comes to believe that Evelyn as the greatest failure of all Evelyn's of the multiverse and has the untapped potential to defeat Jobu Tubaki, which by the way, that's, that's, that's the ultimate version of her daughter, the multiverse version. Alpha Gong Gong instructs, now this is hilarious how her father, everyone ends up becoming multiversed, by the way, and all of these like random different uh, subsections of, uh, I think Wayman enters his multiverse self by clicking like a Bluetooth or by having a fanny pack and like removing a piece of gum and eating a piece of gum. It's like random things they're told to do to tap their inner selves and become their multiverse selves. Like at one point there's a fight where the security guard has to get like a butt plug up his ass, has to get like a, a trophy up his ass to become the ultimate version of himself. And it's that's where some comedy comes in and it's just kind of ultra ridiculous. And uh, the the scenes that happen in there are just almost undescribable at, at, at this point, because it's just like, what is the most ridiculous thing you could probably have to do in an IRS building? 
and you got you got to do it to become the ultimate version of yourself, whether it's you know you like it or you don't. Um, <laughs> so there are some crazy fucking scenes in this movie with them trying to uh, you know become their alpha self. Um, so Alpha Gong Gong um, instructs Evelyn to kill Joy um, to hinder Jobu Tubaki, but Evelyn refuses. She decides she must face Jobu Tubaki as uh, by gaining the same powers as her. So she verse jumps repeatedly while battling Jobu Tubaki's minions and Alpha Gong Gong's soldiers. After the battle, Alpha Wayman is killed by Jobu Tubaki in the Alpha Verse, and Evelyn's mind overloads. Let's hop into part two. Evelyn's mind splinters, and she discovers other bizarre universes, including one of one in which humans have hot dogs for fingers, and she is in a romantic relationship with Deidre who is uh, played by Jamie Lee Curtis and Jamie Lee Curtis is such a gem in this movie. I got to say that she is so fucking funny. She is playing this ultra serious IRS hard ass in one scene. The next scene, she's literally doing uh, Kung Fu uh, uh, matrix style against Michelle Yeoh. And then another scene, she's basically playing a zombie, a, a like a Michael Myers version of herself. It is, it is crazy. And uh, you just never know what you're going to get. And she plays all of them amazingly. Um, and now we get this one, uh, uh, one universe where Michelle Yeoh and Deidre, uh, Deidre have a, uh, these hot dog fingers it's like their fingers are as big as like fucking bratwurst like out to here and it looks so unpractical but i mean the they want the universes to almost go from um you know just instead of you know running a you know going green going going through a red light and it being a green light in another universe, you know, red means green, green means red and another universe, kind of like the Dr. Strange shit. It's like, Oh shit, everything's so weird. You're going when it says green instead of red, um, you know, you're driving on the left side of the road. Y'all, you know, watch out. Everything's all weird. Um, it's, that's not happening here. They're going even to the more nth degree of saying this shit is weird. This shit is ridiculous. This shit has hot dog fingers. Like that's the most ridiculous thing you can probably think. And, um, the fact that they bring it back in the third act of like having, you know, a romantic relationship in some other sort of universe, it actually kind of like worked um, for me. And so um, this, this movie's not going to work for everybody. I got to say that, you know, I, I probably, probably, probably put it, probably should have said that at the beginning of this podcast, that it is ultra ridiculous, but you got to be on bored with that if you don't like the first act there's no reason for you to go to the second and third act um but if you're intrigued i think that's where they got you um and so uh so another universe where um evelyn she works alongside a tep tepanyaki chef who is 
secretly puppeteered by a ratatouille-like uh, raccoon. I mean, literally, the guy has a raccoon in his hat, and, and the raccoon is, like, telling this guy how to cook, just like fucking ratatouille. It's a, it's a parody of it. Um, and it, that that oddly works. I was like, Jesus, I, I didn't think all this ridiculousness was going to come back to hit me in such a, a formative way. That's why I kind of really like this, um, uh, this movie, of how ridiculous it gets. And so, um, yeah, she learns that Jobu Tubaki created the everything bagel or the black hole, so to speak, not to destroy everything, but to destroy herself and has been searching for an Evelyn who can understand her. The whole part of that is in our main timeline, um, Evelyn and Joy are not getting along. They are both um not seeing eye to eye and she's always being criticized about the way she looks who she dates what she uh you know uh if if she's looking a little heavy that day or not you know i can relate to these things so well because i mean i felt like these were things my father was saying it's like i don't remember uh, I, my dad would be like oh i see you lost some weight today or i see you gain uh, i i see you um uh, are you getting back in the gym kind of thing? I was saying I should be in the gym. It's like, I, I didn't ask you for how I looked. I asked, you know, how your day was or that type of thing. My dad used to always kind of hit me with, uh, Oh, I can see you lost a lot of weight. And I was like, I, you know, I wasn't trying to lose weight. Thanks dad. You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, I've, I've can relate. And so, uh, so Joe, Jobu feels, I'm just going to call it Jobu, Jobu Jubaki, the, uh, the bad guy. Jobu feels that because there are so many vast universes and unending chaos, nothing truly matters. In other universes, the Wangs are about to lose the laundromat due to tax errors, which is actually predominantly affects people, immigrants, from other countries and uh, you know people from other places a whole lot more predominantly than um, the average American citizen probably you know um, depending on if you're a minority or not it's sometimes they are more they can be more scrut uh, can they can scrutinize your business and kind of comb through every single little bit of your business a lot harder than other businesses. It's amazing what some corporations can get away with these days. Um, so the Wings in another universe are about to lose a laundromat due to tax errors and businessman Wayman rejects movie star Evelyn after decades apart. Um, Evelyn is nearly swayed to uh, Jobu's cause and stabs her universe's Wayman. Sorry. Evelyn is nearly swayed to Jobu's cause and stabs her universe's Wayman. She almost joins Tobu and entering the bagel, but stops when she hears Wayman's calls to be kind and have hope. Everything Wayman is saying feels very... Um, forthright. Evelyn defeats Alpha Gong Gong and Jobu's Tubaki's fighters by using her multiverse knowledge to find out what is hurting each of them and gives them happiness. It's literally killing them with kindness. And instead of like 
fighting everybody at the end of this movie. She's like, she taps into people's minds, like almost Dr. Strange style. And the guy you'll find they'll, they'll do a quick flashback of a guy that uh, maybe was left out of uh, the Halloween candy. And he's always wanted this, his favorite candy bar. She turns around, whips it up and hits him on the head with it. Bam. And gives him that. Um, uh, you find she goes to another guy and like does the Dr. Strange thing, reads their mind. And you find out there was a, a, a puppy or something that they never got as a kid. So she does like a twirly flip thing and then brings a little puppy up and gives it to the uh, gives it to the bad guy. And she goes through like 20 different guys, like beating them up with kindness. Literally, she wouldn't like knock them out. She would just literally give them what they wanted. And she becomes like the ultimate Doctor Strange parallel universe alpha version of Evelyn. And I was like, what is going on? This was the coolest shit I've seen. Killing them with kindness, literally. <laughs> um, so uh, Evelyn reaches uh, Jobu Tabaki and tells her that she is not alone and that Evelyn will always choose to be with her despite everywhere else she could be. Meanwhile, in a parallel universe, Evelyn confronts Gong Gong and reconciles with Wayman and Joy. And Wayman convinces Deidre to let the Wangs redo their taxes because this whole thing is about them like sitting there at the tax IRS uh, tax office and then just like coming through all their coming through all of their stuff and being like, I don't know if you have all your taxes in order. Um, and Jobu Tubaki initially rejects Evelyn, but returns to her and they embrace Part three, all at once. Shortly thereafter, the family's relationships and lives have improved. Becky is now regarded as part of the family. Wayman and Evelyn share a brief but romantic moment for the first time in a long while, and they return to the IRS building on a second chance to file their taxes. As Deidre talks, Evelyn's attention is momentarily drawn to her alternate selves in the multiverse before she grounds herself back in her home universe. Honestly, that's the entire movie, and I want to go back and watch it again myself, just talking about it. <laughs> it, it uh, I really feel like there's so many different scenes, so many different types of universes that we visit, the world building, the acting, the choreography, the ideas, the ambition, this movie has it all. And I know it's not going to work for everybody, but it worked for me because mostly because I feel like when we're talking about these multiverses these days, there's so many movies that are trying to do multiverse, 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 spider-verse, all this type of shit. Um, they're not able to fully flesh out interesting universes and our main character and some sort of bad guy, antagonist at the same time. But they were able to do that and folds show multiple multiple different uh, universes. We don't have to visit the entire universe, but just kind of get a grounding for what that universe is like. And I really do feel like this movie describes it better than anything, you know, better, better than, I don't know, um, many movies have. And there are like, what I'd say is like, there are intentional feats of it not being 100% tied up neatly. Um, 
I, I got to say the, uh, the parts of having Michelle Yeoh kind of being overly critical in certain scenarios, talking about like Jenny Slate's character as the uh, Debbie, the dog mom, do they talk about having a, a bigger nose or something like that? Um, they, they definitely, they have that type of critique at the very end, they show Evelyn and Joy talking and it's not kind of a, a, you know, I love you for everything kind of thing. Maybe it's it's an Evelyn still putting her foot down saying, you know, I, you know what, I, maybe I do criticize you, you know, the way you look too often, but it's only because I love you kind of thing. It's not, it's not a, I criticize you and I retract that I criticize you. It's a, I, I do it out of love kind of thing. And I, I kind of understand that, uh, that that's more that's more or less how life is i think that most people don't completely retract what they say like they do in a lot of a lot of movies they'll be like i'm sorry i didn't mean that i didn't mean to say that uh, you know it, it came out wrong kind of thing normally it's um they do a full retraction of whatever the main character did and there's a big apology at the very end of the movie this is not there's a big apology there's more or less more explanation and understanding between the characters, which definitely feels much more relatable in uh, hindsight. So yeah, this is everything, everywhere, all at once. It's a nine out of 10. Um, for me, it's it's one of the best movies I've seen in years, mostly just from, the, uh, from its ambition and how it's able to kind of bring everything together. Um, it's got an eight, three on, IMDb and I think like a 94 on Rotten Tomatoes. So people really like it. Metacritic's got 80, 82%, which is still pretty high. Um, but yeah, a lot of people, I, I, the first review right here says on Google, it says this movie is easily going on my top 10 movies of all time list. I mean, I really do think that the people that this is going to connect with, it's going to blow their minds in, in the best way. Um, and the poster for it, I think the, uh, the trailer for it was pretty good too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, just the cinematography, the way that everything is lined up from the multiverse standpoint, I was just blown away and it, it's so much fun on top of that. Uh, let me see if there's anything else that we can talk about this from, uh, oh, and I didn't even talk about with the planet they became rocks, um, yeah, they just they go through this whole uh, this whole scenario of them fighting each other in different universes, and then one universe they get stuck in, and they're rocks. They turn into rocks with googly eyes, and I was like, dude, this movie is just so awesome in so many ways that I I, I couldn't stand how uh, awesome it was. I guess that's that's not the right word. It's just like so out there and i feel like a lot of movies aren't out there i know a lot of a24 movies are out there out there i mean i just talked about hereditary that's a pretty ballsy movie but it's still kind of within the wheelhouse of being uh an oppressive horror film everything all at once everything everywhere all at once is almost hard to describe with how out there it is but for me it worked in the best ways possible um let me see if there's anything else. Uh, da, 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 da. So all the visual effects for this film were done by uh, 
nine people, including two directors with the majority of the shots being done by a core group of five people. None of the visual effects team went to school for visual effects. They were all friends who taught themselves with tutorials they found online for free. That is amazing. Um, like, holy shit, you don't have to go to college anymore, these special schools. You can do the real stuff, the big stuff, um, just with the, uh, the tools you have for free. Um, Ki Hyun Kwan, known as uh, Jonathan Kwan, I believe, is a, uh, an actor we haven't seen for years. And he is so good in this. Um, it makes me sad that we haven't seen him in American cinema for, I haven't seen him in American cinema for years. Um, yeah, okay, so mo every, most people will recognize him as Short Round from Indiana Jones and Temple of Dune or Data on the Goonies. And he was amazing in those movies. He's in two memorable ass movies that every, you know, a lot of people can remember just growing up with. Um, and then from there, he was in Passenger, uh, Sig Rashibi Hibi uh, movie. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, Nothing is Easy television series, Breathing Fire. I'm not sure what that is. Head of Class television. Tales of the Crypt, everyone, okay, that's 91. Um, Encino Man, 92. Um, Red Pirate, 97. Second time around, 2002. And then Finding Ohana was 20, uh, just about 20 years later. Um, so he wasn't doing anything uh, from the filmography standpoint. Um, as an actor, what I mean, not that he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't, and he wasn't acting actively um, between like 2002 and 2021. So this dude is amazing. He's still got it. He's got the charisma. He's got the timing. Um, he's got the moves when he's playing kind of like his like Walter White, uh, you know, doofy dad kind of thing, or, uh, you know, and then go changing with putting on like uh, uh, chewing some gum and putting a Bluetooth headset on. And then all of a sudden just doing the moves. I was like, dude, this guy's amazing. I, I was floored by it. I, I just wished that he had uh, been doing things, you know, the past 20 years. I mean, he's so good. Um, so uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, he, he even shouts out the snap out of it uh, line from Indiana Jones uh, that he he, re he says again in this movie, which I liked. Um, in an unusual move, the majority of the film's scenes were shot at a high frame rate. This was done to give the editors the flexibility to put in to put different parts into slow motion that weren't originally planned to be. So. Um, there was a there's a lot of very interesting um you know behind the scenes information that you can find on everything everywhere all at once i hope this podcast kind of helped uh you know help you uh broaden your knowledge of the movie and encourage you to at least watch the movie if i uh 
if you have gotten this far and haven't seen it already. But um, thank you for listening, watching Love It All Podcast. Be sure to go to loveitallpodcast.com for all of the uh, the entire library. You can find it there. You can also go to YouTube, help subscribe, hit a plus, uh, what is it, a thumbs up. Um, uh, help us grow, helps the podcast. Every subscriber helps us um, gain a little bit closer to being uh, – monetized and gave them a little bit of money in our pockets. So thank you. Every disappointment. And take it easy. Let you hear. To this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it.